this the first beginning part just because it's just now starting. So, all right, bud. How's your day been? <laughs> Pretty good. This is early for me. <laughs> it's more, maybe one of the biggest comments you're going to get is, what the heck, Chief Pell, is, he's doing something before 9 a.m.? <laughs> so what time does your shift start then as chief? Well, I, I do have some flexibility. <laughs> um, I, I'm really a, a 9 or sometimes 10 o'clock kind of guy. Oh, wow. um, I, I keep late nights, though. It, it's definitely It's definitely the way my body is wired is... Shoot, I was up till two fifteen this morning. Really? I just yeah, my mind keeps going and going. Wow. That is awesome. So so fire chief of White River Township Fire Department. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How long have you been in the fire service? Thirty two years. Are you serious? Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. It really doesn't. And and How I, old I are you? Fifty one. Fifty one years yeah. old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm one of those I'm in, I'm in that group that got I got in pension just you know, mm-hmm. right away. I I'd only been twenty one for six months. Wow, six months, and then you got the job. Yeah. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I at got that a pretty time. Yeah. A pretty blessed story. Well, let's go in. Let's talk about it. Let's start from when you first started in the fire service. Well, it, it you know it's crazy, and and I can't give credit to anyone but God because I'm. I'm a hot mess, <laughs> especially when I was 21. We all are. <laughs> yeah, especially when I was 21 years old. I started at White River Township at as a 19 year old kid. I had a buddy. I worked at Greenwood Schwinn oh on gosh. 31, and he said, "Hey, I'm on the volunteer fire department. I think you'd like this." I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I went to one meeting, and that was back in the day where I got hired with my best friend John Raker, and mm-hmm. we went to. Two meetings, and they're like, all in favor of Jeremy and John, raise your hand. Aye. Okay, guys, guess you're on. <laughs> and and that's, what, that's where it started. Wow, that is so cool. So people, you know, people wonder about me and why I am the way I am. You know, first of all, I think it's God's story. And second of all, it's, it's incredible because who gets to go back to their home fire department mm-hmm. to be the leader? And I couldn't – I could lead another department. I couldn't lead another department this way. Because it's so deep in my heart, I can't even explain to you how it is. It's, so you've got that really close emotional connection towards your department. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the citizens as well, of course. Well, it's home. Yeah. It's home. Uh, we'll, I know we'll get into this a little later, but I was on the Indianapolis Fire Department mm-hmm. and Warren Township. And when we heard about the merger, my wife's very first question was, can we move home now? <laughs> and that's what we did. We, we moved home. Wow. So... Let's go ahead and discuss when you started out at White River. Back, what year was it? Do you know? Because I can't do math backwards. Nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I wasn't even born yet. You no, I wasn't even thought of. That's <laughs> the thing. You could be, you could be my son. I totally could. Uh, so let's talk about back when you first started. What were the things that you saw at White River, Center Grove area, mm-hmm. that have completely changed to today? We all thought that it would grow. And looking back, I had no idea it would grow to be as big as it is today. Um, there was none of those big box stores on 135, mm-hmm. no apartment complexes, um, of course, a bunch of cornfields, none of the no neighborhoods. Um, th- so that's just all been incredible growth. That is so cool. So yeah. uh, before we get into more of the topic of firefighting, you train dogs. That's what we talked about. 
I really want to talk about dogs. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Fair so enough. So when did you start doing that? Why did you start doing it as well? Like so much in this job, um, I have just this deep-seated passion for serving people. And we talked a, a little bit before the podcast, and you know, that that's founded in that's founded in Christ. So, what are we here to do? We're here to take care of each other, and we're here to serve each other. Well, what's the brotherhood and the fire service do? Take care of each other, and we serve each other. I put together my skills as a firefighter and EMT, and I decided, hey. I want to get a dog. I wanted somebody to watch over my family while I'm at the firehouse. And I got this dog, and I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And we went through, we did obedience shows, and we did all these advanced classes. And I put those two skills together. So fast-forwarding, I've taught basic obedience and puppy classes for about 20 years now. Wow. I've had some great mentors. Um, I've got a, a mentor named Leah, who was on the Nineveh fire, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 10 years ago or so. It's her group and their dogs that found those kids upstairs. Really? Yeah, that's how I got into the search realm. I've trained search dogs for about nine years. Well, so for a, the people that, that don't know about that situation, that found the kids upstairs, what was that? Yeah, it's, uh, Nineveh had, and I'm just ballparking, and mm-hmm. it's been maybe 10 years ago. I've been chief 14 years, and... Um, you know, look, we're, we're all, you know, we're all, we truly are brotherhood. We're all mm-hmm. on different departments. So at that time, one of the career guys at White River was chief at Nineveh. They get called working residence fire, your classic passerby reports, heavy fire showing. It ended up being a triple fatality. Mm-hmm. Mom was home with um, her two kids. She tried to go back in. The kids were upstairs. It, it, it just wasn't happening. Uh, mom ultimately passed away from her injuries and the the challenge was that apartment was so small and that fire grew so rapidly it just burnt the upstairs off this house and they knew the kids were in there uh, dad and one other child weren't home so they obviously um, you know they obviously need this type of closure yeah. well they called any canine search and recovery recovery and said hey can you bring dogs out i went down to support my brother that was chief at Nineveh at the time and i'm like leah what are you doing here and she said jeremy what are you doing here and he goes, well, I she said I, we brought the dogs down to try to find these kids and uh, kind of to make a long story short, one of the guys in the group took his dog, carried him up the ladder, set that dog on the second floor, and I watched it work, and that dog plops down in a beautiful sit. And that's where those kids were. Mm-hmm. And it, that fire was so hot, they, there were just fragments of bones left. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, that, that started the search work with Leah, and that's nine years ago. So I've got I've got three dogs now. Sounds like our, our two dogs have a bit of a story. You have a rescue, right? Yes, sir. All right. Um, and you said yours was tied to a basketball a, goal. Okay. Out in Speedway at a nature park. All right. Yeah. Well, Rosie, I adopted Rosie a year ago. She was t- tied to a tree in Johnson County. 
Really? Yeah. And I want to make sure I tell you my, the story of my career and how I ended up where I was. But she's got a neat story of her own. I was, went to search group, and I've got this mentor out in Rhode Island. He started the Rhode Island State Police Canine SAR program. And he's just really been wonderful to me. He really is a good mentor. And, you know, we talk and he trains me. And, and he said, hey, I, you know, I, let me help you find a dog. I said, all right. And I went to search group and Matt, Matt uh, Zarella is his name. He's got a, a documentary called named Search Dog that was on Amazon Prime. So it's floating out there someplace. It's a, it's a neat one to catch if you like dogs. Yeah, I love dogs. And uh, I'm like, yeah, cool. And so he's looking in Rhode Island, and I'm looking at rescue groups and you know, Ohio, Kentucky, all over the place. I went to my search group and told one of my good friends that I know has a pretty strong faith. And I said, hey, if God means for me to do this, I really wish he'd drop a dog in my backyard <laughs> and not in Rhode Island. Matt, it was crazy. I came home that afternoon, opened up Fox 59's app on my phone. Rosie's right there on the, the, the front story. Really? Yeah. Somebody tied her to a tree during COVID a year ago, put a note on her collar, had notes in the newspaper, you can find it online. Her name was Rody at the time, so if you search Rody Dog, you'll find some stories about her. Said, my dad can't take care of me because of COVID. I'm a good girl, love kids, love to play. I'm like, oh my gosh. I texted Matt Zarella, and he said, that's a wonderful story. Let's see if she can do the work. <laughs> so we did. We evaluated her as a as a SAR dog, and she passed all the prerequisites. She's a pretty solid foundation. She's a good girl, and uh, kind of looks like God dropped a dog in my backyard <laughs> ten minutes from my house. That's awesome. Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah, that is so cool that you've had that. So yeah. you still but train I, dogs, right? Yeah, still okay. train dogs. Um, love it. I, I love it. it there is, uh, you know, there's there's a special connection there, and. It's, it's undeniable. The connection between man and dog, it's, it blows my mind. Yeah. Obviously, I, I mean, I grew up with dogs. At first, we had a German Shepherd. Then we had a Black Lab. And then a mix as well at the same time. And then for a couple of years, didn't have one. And then we have a Pitbull now. Truly fantastic dog. And you needed Pitbulls one, are. didn't you? I needed one. You needed a dog. I yeah. definitely needed one. Now, I'll tell the quick story really fast. This is not about me. This is about you. But really quickly, my grandfather passed away a few years back. And after he passed away, he was very close. Every every time there was any event, they lived in Ohio. Anytime there was any event, my grandparents were there. Okay. No matter what. Which I always counted on that. I was so blessed to have that. I never would think, well, they're not going to be there. They're mm-hmm. going to be there. Yeah. And when my grandmother passed away a few years before he passed, it was weird. My grandpa still showed up for everything. And then when he passed... I had, there was nobody there that was going to, we would count on to be there now. Yeah. And it hit me a lot harder. And then uh, just a couple of months later, my wife was looking online and found uh, our pit bull now, Delilah. Yeah. Found her on Facebook and someone tied her to a basketball goal to Nature Park and Speedway. And she's like, do you want her? I'm like, yes, let's go look. And then we went out there and we looked at her, obviously malnourished, yeah. not taking care of. Uh, the vet said that somebody took a regular pair of scissors to cut her ears into the points. Um, it's uh, she, But she's the sweetest, most caring, loving dog. Great with her, with our uh, nephews and our niece. Fantastic with kids. Um, a little too gets in the dog, other dogs' faces just to, <laughs> like, she's curious, but yeah. she po- like she'll posture up 
to want to play, and it just looks so bad <laughs> because she's a pit bull. Like it, she's so muscular, and yeah. she postures up, and her muscles are flexing up. I guess I could turn this towards me. And yes, I'm trying to grow a mustache. So. <laughs> trying i'm trying to keep up with you yeah um but she's just been a truly fantastic dog but the relationship between man and dog is man is in man and woman man and dog it's it's something that is amazing and obviously this has been pointed out to me before somebody goes well dog backward is god i'm like well it's small g small g (laughs) but the unconditional love that a dog gives a human i just i want to think that God did that on purpose to say, hey, like this is just some small semblance of what like I can give to you in in the in the physical part that you're seeing with your eyes, but I could offer you so much more. Wow. And to me, that's how I look at it, which is why I have so much affections for dogs. I'm yeah. like, oh, they're just such great animals. Like they're animals. Yeah. They're animals. They are. But oh, that's a pet. But that's how I see it. And oh, it's just that's, that unconditional that's love. Now I'm not trying to say that they are God or not, not even close. But I think that God put a little bit, he dumped a little bit extra unconditional love. (laughs) He's just like this, this, I can offer you so much more, but this is the start. Yeah. And then every, every, every family has to have a family dog. If you have a cat, sorry, you're (laughs) probably a Satanist. (laughs) But like, that's how I see it. So sorry. Now this goes back to you. Sorry. I didn't no, that's too long. that's cool, and I learned something. I never, you know, I never thought of it that way. I, I think they have wonderful spirits. I hope I see Gunner again. <laughs> that's Gunner was was my search dog that I certified, and and he died of cancer six months later, mm-hmm. and broke my heart. I've got a Gunner size hole in my heart, and <laughs> we had a connection, you know, closer than I do with some. A lot of people. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard to explain unless you're really a dog person. Yes. And I can tell you are. Oh yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, shoot, I, I God made everything that's here. There's makes perfect sense that He put a little something special mm-hmm. in that we'd have a companionship. And if somebody doesn't like dogs, so if anyone's listening who doesn't like dogs, give them another try. <laughs> I swear, you probably just had a bad experience with a dog that had a that had bad owners. That's just. I, I don't know. I, well, Howard Stahl I had on, he he's a big animal person, yeah. animal person. And we talked about dogs, and he sat here, and he played with Delilah for a little bit before we, I even talked to him. Yeah. He, just, he ignored me and <laughs> talked to her, and I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. So, yeah. All right, so let's talk about why are you a fire chief? Why, why, did, why did you step up to that role? I, I had no intention. It, it goes back to my story. Um, I started at White River, and um, White River obviously was so small, there wasn't even a thought. Uh, to give you the idea of the, of the perspective, we did about 650 runs a year when I started. Oh, wow. Right? It, it was a real fireprint. It was about like a Nineveh or Trafalgar mm-hmm. Amity. And I got hired career at Noblesville. My buddy got hired at Warren. He, he's six months older than me, so I didn't make the cutoff. I worked at the city of Noblesville for about three years, and my buddy said, hey, you know, why don't you come over to Warren? It's it's a good place. And I did. So I spent most of my career at Warren Township on the east side of Indianapolis and then merged with, with IFD. And when we merged, my chief came to me, Chief Sanford, said, hey, I heard a rumor about you. And I'm like, what? He goes, hey, you can go be White River's chief. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. He goes, why not? I said, well, I work for you and 
I said, I, you know, I had, I had a gut check. I had to decide when I had Carter, am I going to keep working three jobs or, you know, am I going to focus on one? I've, I've decided, you know, I, I loved Wyver, but the best thing for my family was to stay home with Carter and, and do my career firefighting job. Um, in that whole process, I wanted to make sure that I could do something to support my family if I got hurt on the job. So I went to college. I got my fire science degree. I got my bachelor's degree in business administration. Oh, wow. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder one time and said, hey, you're, you know, you're pretty good at this. You ought to think about coming to the office. I'm like, no. And every step of the way, you know, I, 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 I fought against it. But ultimately, I became the admin chief at Warren Township for Chief Sanford, merged with IFD, and I did a lot of praying. I had a um, couple good, couple good friends. Uh, Jeffrey Dorico at, at Indian Creek Christian Church said, "Hey, just you know, put your sails up. If you're just ship on the ocean and you just drift, you're just going to go all over the place. Put your sails up. Put your motor in gear. You know, let God steer you in a direction." Uh, Randy Fry was on the job at Washington Township. He merged with IFD. He's state rep now. And he said, Jeremy, don't pray for a job. Just pray that God opens the doors for you that he wants you to go through. And the ones he doesn't, he closes so tightly that you can't get through them. I'm like, all right, I'll apply. So I applied and I'm like, this isn't going to work out. And every step of the way, everything fell into place. Uh, interviews went great. And I got guys nudging me and, um, hey, you know, this is, this would be really cool. I thought, well, our house won't sell. I won't be able to move. Our house sold by owner 10 days. <laughs> Couldn't find a house. Two weeks later, my wife says, oh, this is one. This is perfect. It's been 14 years ago. Wow. The, the heart of it, and I, I, think this is, I think this is something noteworthy about being in a leadership position, is I was not looking to be a chief. I was looking to make a difference in the fire service and kept my mind open to whatever that might be. Engineer, chief's aide, fire chief. Hey, if I can make a difference, I'll do it. Wow. But it, it, it's, I mean, it's not about the rank. Actually, if you're doing it right, it is a hard, hard job. It's, it's a hard job. So I did it to make a difference. I did it to serve my brothers and sisters and um, so that somebody would be in that position that I know would take care of the people on the street. Because that's, really, you know, that's really it. That even though I may wear the most bugles, I should be at the very bottom. What's the strongest man in the room do? He serves others. That's what Christ did. Mm -hmm. So... That's that was the motivation behind it. I was given a skill set and some opportunities, and I don't ever want to look back and say, "Wow, I could have made made a difference," but I didn't because I wasn't open to it. So, when did you start to have that mindset of? Now, obviously, you have a relationship with Christ, which I think is a great foundation, fantastic foundation, the best yeah. foundation you can have. When did you get that servant mindset as a chief, or was it before then? I, well, you know, I think it was. I think it was before then. 
um, you know, for for the, our listeners, whether you have a Christian faith or not, it's you know, it's really hard to deny that there's some foundation things about our life, and that's, hey, love each other, take care of each other, things will kind of work out. Um, I've had that faith since I was a 16-year-old kid. I had a really rough upbringing that most people don't know about. Uh, It definitely shaped my entire career. It started out as a how can I take care of my family it shifted really quickly and I grew stronger and stronger in that, Hey, I'm here for a reason. And if I'm really going to buy into uh, the, the values of being a firefighter, all those things we pound our chest on, you know, so, you know, brotherhood and, and integrity and professionalism and sacrifice and I'll lay my life down. That means something that that's not just a, a, a pretty plaque on the wall. That means something. So the decisions I make, I make them through the lens of how does this affect another human being? How does this support the mission? And that was very early in my career. That that was, you know, first few years. Why, why is it whenever I talk to a guy that works at wherever, every time they, every time I do talk to them, they say, "Are you going to come over here? <laughs> Are you applying?" They always say that. It's every conversation I've had with a guy from from that department. Why do you think that is? I've got a couple uh, other questions along with okay. that. Okay, yeah. That's, you can go ahead and answer that part, and then I'll ask some more. You know, the yeah, I think the most obvious answer to that is we're proud of what we do. All of us. You know, whatever department you're on, most people are like, yeah, yeah, I'm here because we're doing it right. I love my job. But best job in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Best job That's in the world. Fantastic job. When you feel that way, then that just comes out. Hey, I got the best job in the world. You're you're one of the best dudes I know. Come join me. <laughs> Man, we'll be great together. The deeper answer is I I think we have something special. That's the I want to dig into that. That's what my next question was. I you know I, I wish I could, I wish I could bottle it up. I, I wish I could. Sell it to the world, not for the money, but just because of the impact it makes. I listen to a podcast. Um, it, it, the guy's name's Andy Stanley. He's a he's oh, a pastor. Yes. And this podcast was on mission and vision. And this is something that in, it has impacted my life, and it will continue to impact my life until the, the, the days you guys give me my final call. And he said, as the mission is clear the options become fewer and the decisions become easier so think about that our mission is really simple we signed up to save lives and protect property well my mission's clear i signed up to save lives and where we're so so equally important but just serve different roles my role is to serve the men and women of the departments i mess it up i know i forget things I beat myself up over it, but my job is to make sure those men and women have what they need and their families are taken care of so that they can come into work with a clear mind and a clear conscience and some joy and go do the job that they love. So if I do my part, they're not going to question the gear that's on their back or the rig 
or what the budget's going to look like next year. Are they going to get a raise? Is their health insurance going to take care of their family? So I try to check all those things off the list that I possibly can. And then put that together with just, I, I am who I am. This is the way I'm wired. I, I do care where I forget. I try to do for the one person that I wish I could do for every single person. My sweetheart job would probably be going out, working the dogs, finding people, missing persons, mm-hmm. making, telling people how wonderful the fire service is, making my chief look incredible, and ministering to the people in the department and supporting them. And that's a big old, you know, big old test here recently losing Kyle Martinsic, mm-hmm. that, that line of duty death. That that was that was rough. There was a lot of, a lot of pressure. We ran with Kyle a few times. Uh, I can't say I can't ever pronounce his last name correctly. Martin Kick? Martinsic. Martinsic. Yeah. Okay. Um, we ran with him quite a few times on uh, from our engine, and they'd come over on the medic and. Every single time we had a run with him, I always had a very good experience with him. Oh, yeah. He was extremely respectful and nice. And even though, like, there'd be some things where I, like, there'd be uh, trying to move a patient, I'm like, hey, get out of the way, I'll do it. And it wasn't as in me trying to be a jerk or nothing. It's like, hey, I can do it quicker. Let me help you out. Buddy. Yeah. And that way you can get your thing done. Every single time, he always had a great reaction to, yeah, sure thing. Thank you so much. I'm like, man, like, most people that I've said that to, like, mm. they just, they just have an attitude, but he never did. And I and I know always when, I, uh, whenever someone does pass, they always start to talk about the great stuff, and they never talk about the bad. But I I can honestly say that I I hadn't had a bad experience, and I've worked in a rest with him, being on I'm, a, I'm at a separate department than than uh, mm-hmm. Kyle is, and I've worked in a rest with him, and he was solid. Yeah, yeah. It's and when when he passed, that was a shock to our house because yeah. we ran with him quite a few times yeah it was it's kind of set me back a bit a little bit longer and just to think about it because it's like man i just we just went on a run with him i think it was three shifts prior yeah so yeah i i, I am sorry for the loss of your guys's department it's a big loss yeah losing anybody is is tough yeah but losing someone in your department i i i understand the feeling with losing a couple of our members mm-hmm. uh but it's it's always so rough but as yeah. a fire chief how did what did you do when you found out and how did you deal with it? And was there any doubt that you had with the actions that you were doing? Cause obviously you're the leader of the organization. You're the yeah. face. How did you deal with that? When you're fire chief, I don't have the luxury of being emotional. Whether we're talking about, a a public meeting presenting a budget or in this case that our department needed a leader and it's not my it's not my time to be emotional it's my time to serve and make it as right as I can it was I I bring on a lot of my own stress and a lot of the stuff a lot of the stress I bring on myself is dumb <laughs> it's like oh gosh you know is, are we gonna find a house or you know it's where are we gonna go on vacation it's stupid is the budget gonna pass it's gonna pass <laughs> you know is it gonna be one two three four percent in the big scheme of things it's important but not this important mm-hmm. this was the most important thing i did and it was legitimately the most administrative stress 
that I've had. I, there, there's kind of kind of a lighthearted part of it is mm-hmm. you're going through and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be the fan, you know, the, the rock, the foundation. And they're, we're rehearsing stuff and they're like, chief, okay, you're going to stand here. And so we're going to give you the flag and you're going to walk over and you're going to give it to Angela. And, and they said, Hey, you know, you know, this is going to be fine. It's going to work out. We got this, but you realize you got the most important part. <laughs> you got the, sh- it's going to be short, but Every single eye in the world is going to be on you. So just remember, if you mess it up, every person is going to see it. <laughs> like, hey, thanks. Thank you. For I was do I was doing okay <laughs> until you threw that on me. And now I'm going to think about <laughs> tripping the rest of the time. <laughs> but I didn't, and we, you know, we we took care of that, and um, I, I, you know, hurt for the people in our department. Now, what what did I do? It was surreal, and my mind starts going to work as a chief of all right. This guy died on shift, and these are his brothers and sisters. So I, you know, the the staff looked at me. And they're like, "What do you want to do, chief?" I'm like, "They need to hear it from their fire chief." So I went to every station that day and sat down with all of them. The real challenge in that in that timing was Angela didn't know yet. So we knew that Kyle had passed away. Um, Angela was driving from Monroe County up to Indianapolis. And then it wasn't until she got up there and learned about it and got to say her goodbyes to Kyle that she went home and told her kids. I wanted to make sure that I got to the department members first and told them personally, at least that shift. And I wanted to make sure she could tell her kids and the extended family before it went out on as, as a press release. So I was coordinating all that, trying to get it right, trying to get the people the information so you know they were respected and didn't say, oh, great, I read about it on Facebook. Um, but not send it out too soon mm-hmm. that I would let a family member know because they need to hear that from his his widow. For the people that don't know what happened, would you be able to explain a little bit of what had happened and how he passed? Sure. He he came on duty that morning at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. He had EMS run at 7.30. Pretty typical day. As Cruz said, you know, nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, we've got a pretty good fitness culture at White River. Uh, he was at headquarters in the gym doing – you know, a, just a moderate to easy workout, went in the bathroom and then told our, our athletic trainer, Hey, I need help. And it was bad. Um, what happens is, you know, you know, and most of the listeners are going to know you, you hear a dispatch at three, six, six North Morgantown road, station 53, a walk-in. Well, I always check. Mm-hmm. I always, if, if it's another station, I'll call the BC and say, Hey, is that one of our, is that one of our people? In this case, I walked across the hall to the weight room and saw him. And it was one of those shockers. And you look at him and say, oh, no, this this doesn't look good. And uh, our crews on him immediately transported emergent downtown. And he had had a he had an aortic aneurysm. That's so tough. Yeah. That's. um, That's something that always scares me because obviously one of the biggest killers for firefighters 
is cardiac events. Mm -hmm. Have you guys had a discussion of since then, and I'm not trying to be too pushy or pressuring, of personal care and preventiveness for something similar to this? We've had that conversation. It's always a tough discussion to have. It, well, it is a tough discussion to have, but we've had that conversation for many, many years mm-hmm. at Wyriver. And, you know, again, maybe this, these little pieces are mm-hmm. the answer to the question you asked earlier. You know, why do people say, hey, come to Wyriver? Since 14 years ago, when mm-hmm. I came back as chief, before I was chief, we, we our people get physicals every year. Mm-hmm. And for the past several years um, we have uh, we've we've done public safety medical we've done the treadmill and for a few years now we've offered heart scans Mm because we've had some people that that have health issues and they've gotten caught and fixed so i feel like as a department we've already had that conversation and that culture is sticking Mm -hmm. you got to love each other you got to support each other so back to that question earlier of why are guys so into wherever? I think every department should be that way. I think every guy at every department, whether you're at uh, Indianapolis, whether you're at Speedway, whether you're at Goshen, you're at Gary, you're Cincinnati, anywhere in the country, you should be your your department's biggest advocate mm-hmm. for your for your department and yourself. Yeah, and I think. Too often, too many guys look at only the negatives that go on and not look at the positives. So with that being said, since you are, you know, at White River, you're the chief, you you probably don't, you probably hear a lot of the negatives of, as well. Sure. Whenever you hear the negatives of your own department, how does that register with you and what do you do about it? The, the very transparent answer, it breaks my heart. I love the fire service. I was wired. I think God wired me to do this. Um, We, you know, here, don't forget where you came from. There's no way. There's no way I forget where I came from. I may be sitting behind a desk, but I'm a, I'm a teenage boy (laughs) trapped in a man's body. (laughs) I remember going out on PIs and entrapments and working jobs and, and, you know, making some grabs. Mine weren't, weren't, survivable grabs but it made some uh, it breaks my heart because we have so much to be grateful for it's not about everything we're doing wrong why ever doesn't get it right all the time that is impossible that's absolutely impossible but why can't we focus on the great things we do take care of each other build each other up and then Fix the things that we need improvement on. What, what I what I call it is let's be constructive rather than destructive. One of my favorite quotes is, a critic is someone who watches a battle from a far off hill and then shoots the survivors. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. you put yourself out there. It can be a company officer, lieutenant. It can be a BC. It can be fire chief. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to try to make a difference. And a critic is someone who watches a battle from a far off hill and shoots the survivors. I like that. With that with that position, 
how is it when, well, how do you feel about, like, let's, let's use a, uh, a simple policy, like a uniform policy. Uh-huh. Let's say the guys come back and they say, hey, I really enjoy wearing, you know, shorts during the day, like basketball shorts. How is it you feel about when they come in with something so simple? It's, hey, it's, it's just shorts. Uh, as long as they have nothing going on, they don't have any uh, public events, they're not going to the store or anything. But how is it that when they come to you and like, hey, would we be able to wear shorts? What is your response to that, that kind of stuff? Again, keeping it simple. Yeah. Cool. What kind of shorts you want to wear? I want basketball shorts. You're like, you want basketball shorts? That would say White River. You know, your department's name here, you know, with those. Mm-hmm. With a lot of that stuff, I think it's something so simple for most guys, for most firefighters. Well, yeah, and it's it's really deeply philosophical. Mm-hmm. I told you I was resistive to being a fire chief. That wasn't mm-hmm. my first choice. And if we're on the Jeremy scale of, hey, what's fun? Mm-hmm. Working dogs and riding a big red truck. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's fun. Well, on on the, the bigger scale of how can we make a difference? I, you know, I think I can make a difference. I, I've got some education and some experience, so that's why I do it. And thinking of that underlying philosophy, I decided very early some some basics. Hey, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to try to make the department better. I'm going to serve the men and women because if we serve each other, it falls into place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll do the job. That's 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 easy. <clears throat> I also had decided pretty early that I'm going to I'm going to choose my battles wisely. For me, uniforms isn't it. I want us to look professional. Mm-hmm. I want us to look uniform. Don't have to be perfect. I generally think when you walk into somebody's house that as long as you look professional, they really don't care. I mean, they may not even care if you look professional. They may notice if you look very unprofessional, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're splitting hairs over, wow, you got a blue T-shirt and gym shorts on today. Um, so I try to strike that balance. Man, you're gonna have to keep me on track. Yeah, <laughs> there are three kind. There are three types of decision making. There's executive, consultative, and collaborative. Executive is I'm fire chief. I got to make a decision. This one rests on me. And and the good thing is Matt Stumpo, you give me the info, I make it. I own it. If it's wrong, I own it 100. percent Not you. Consultative is I think I. I, I know what to do, but brother, help me out. Don't let me don't let me screw this up. Don't let me make a mistake. I need to consult with you because mm-hmm. I need to hear your your advice. And then the third one is is collaborative. Collaborative is decision by committee. If you apply those at the right time in the right place, then again, you can start creating something special. For me, uniform is collaborative. Let's all sit in the room. Jeremy Pell, Chief Pell is one vote. Mm-hmm. And let's decide collectively what, what we want the department to look like. You come to me something as serious as a line of duty funeral, I'll probably consult with you, but that needs to be the chief's decision. I need to say yes or no, not because nobody else can do it. Many people can do it. But I'm the one here now. I'm the one that will be responsible for it. No blame, nothing else. If it goes south, it's my decision. So that's how I feel about the uniform thing. Yeah. The you know, yeah. and I, you know, people not everybody agrees with me on that. There's a lot of diehard, you know, the uniform says who you are, and I can't even disagree with it. That's just my way of doing it, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of different right ways. What has been the most impressionable moment 
or incident on you in your 32 years? Yeah. 32 years of service emotionally. Emotionally. Um, it's such a, it's a very broad question, but something that sticks out to you that just that spoke to you specifically. There have been a lot of, there have been a lot of teaching moments over the years and that's separate from your mm-hmm. question, but I'll get to it. Um, I, I really have, um, just I, I just admire I just look up to Brian Sanford Chief Sanford and he taught me a lot along the way of just you know being humble and using common sense uh, when we merged with IFD a defining moment was he said listen you know th- there was a time to stand up and and fight against that and, and do that because we want to keep our identity we want to support our community when we, we want to be our own fire department but he said that time's over so you got two choices. You can get on board and make the best of this and continue, continue to serve these people and make this merger uh, something that's beneficial to our community. Or you can fight it and become irrelevant and you know fall by the wayside. That was a defining moment professionally that shaped the let's be constructive. Life doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. So let's make the best of it emotionally I seem to be able I seem to be wired to go out and do the job no matter how difficult things are and my heart breaks after the incident and I seem to experience that more lately so the two-year-old child that got hit by a truck Kyle Martinsic and you know, seeing his son stand at the bottom, the back, the the end of the casket as they push him into his medic truck, man, those are those are gut checks. Those are impactful, and that impresses on me even more so that doing my best to take care of people is where it's at. Because the like like I said, you do that and everything else will fall into place. Earlier before the episode, we talked about, you spoke about you being fire chief. You still have your doubts. You, <laughs> what, what would be some of those? What would be some of those doubts that you have uh, as a fire chief? 16-year-old boy trapped in a man's body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm part of what makes us good at our job, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, the, the kind of the running thing in our family was the chief. Mm-hmm. So when I was at Warren and trying to explain to Carter the whole rank thing, he's like, but dad, you're a chief. I'm like, yeah, I'm not the chief. And he's like, well, okay, well, but who is the, the chief? Like Chief Sanford is the chief. So then we had this, this kind of running thing going of, all right, well, that's the chief. And I've always had that respect and it really that sense of awe. What people – what people forget, you know, the people in the companies, the the younger generation comes on the job and they may say, oh, that's the chief. Man, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy that gets, I get nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Um, I go home and talk to my wife. I've gone home and cried. 
and all those things that you guys see, all those traits that we project onto the chief is not only, it's not always accurate because I have the same doubts and worries and fears that I did as a lieutenant. It's just different. The context, the, the task is different. As a lieutenant, what if I don't send one of these guys home? As an engineer, what if I rack up the rig? As a firefighter, what if I pull the wrong line? As a chief, what if I let down a family? What if I make a wrong decision and the ambulance is out of service at the wrong time and it's not a cardiac arrest save? That's Those are the things that haunt me at night. What if I don't do closest, most appropriate? And Medic 53 is not in-house to treat Kyle Martinzik when he has his catastrophic medical emergency? What if his brothers and sisters aren't the ones that are treating him and driving him to Methodist and then driving him to uh, Indiana Donor Network? That haunts a fire chief. Oh, I've learned coping skills just like everybody else does, but I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy trying to, to make a difference and be a fireman and, and serve the department and that's no different than it is in any rank. What is it you want companies to know from the fire chief? The position, the stress, the anxiety, the decisions you have to make. That you're not intentionally trying to harm them or you're not intentionally trying to make them do more work. How to help them understand what you're doing to close that disconnect between admin and the companies. I'm, I'm going to try to keep this succinct because this is another one of those things I'm really passionate mm-hmm. about is I want people to know that deep, deep in my heart that we are all, we are all equally important and we serve different roles. I've always thought that if I had a big policy decision and I sat down with Matt Stumpo and said, man, I need your advice on this. Let me lay all the information out. I thought if people knew what I knew, if they had the same facts and they had the experience and the education and the passion for the job, that they would look at all this information and come to the same conclusion. And something that I see is, and I'm just as guilty of it. I almost feel hypocritical saying it, but I have, I have learned over the years that I would sit at the kitchen table, have great conversations and could solve the world's problems. And what I was missing is I didn't see what the chief saw. The chief. Chief Sanford had more experience than me, more information at his fingertips, he was perfecting his craft. He was making good decisions based on what he knew. And if we supported him and asked him questions, he would share it with us. And we would make even better decisions because we'd feed into his experience set. set. And that's, that's what I want people to know in the department. I desperately want to do the right thing and what is best for our department and our community, staying focused on that mission. Please don't let me screw it up. Come help us do it in a constructive way. That's that's one of my few pet peeves is don't destroy our department 
with controversy and strife and second guessing because it's not even necessary. The door's open. You, you, we can we can f- fix a lot of this stuff together. Be a raving fan in public. Be an honest critic in private because that makes us strong. Can you run me through a day in the life of a fire chief <laughs> for, for White River? For right, White River, for, it's different per every department, I believe. But it what, is. What is what is your day look like? I'm not a morning person. <laughs> if I said otherwise, a whole bunch of your viewers would know I'm lying right through my teeth. Uh, so the schedule is varied enough that it kind of fits. A typical day, I'm coming into work around 9 or 9.30. Uh, I, I work later. I'll work 6, 6.37. Um, I try to have some private some personal time where I close my door and and read and you know say a prayer and um, again you know what one of my prayers is hey you know God let this be you know let this be right for the people I serve don't let me get in the way let me be a benefit and then the mundane stuff I go through the email and you know I click delete 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 and I filter through and flag some things like oh gosh I got to get on this these days, a lot of what I do, again, is is supporting the men and women in the department. So I'll, I'll review their spending requests and sign off on those. Um, the, the staff is really good about asking my advice. Uh, we'll have a walk-in that says, they need a car seat. What can we do? All right, this is important. Go grab Craig. Let's go ahead and just get this one done. I feel like I'm, I'm there as support you know to make a decision to say this is the priority let's do it let's move on of course policy decisions uh, writing policies in covid it's been a lot of daily what do we do with this we didn't policy doesn't cover this one so what do we do and we just have to pull by pull out of that collective experience and and education i don't spend nearly as much time in the companies as i wish i could but I, I try to get out to the stations. Um, we have been doing a really good job of working with the union. And it's that consultative, collaborative decision-making. The union in our department is our membership. So we'll sit down with Adam Miller and Tyler and Nathan and say, hey, what do you guys think about this? That's probably another one of those defining moments. I went to Chief Sanford over lunch one day, and I was really frustrated about something. Mm-hmm. And he goes, eh, you know, you're, you're right. You can issue that policy. You can make that decision. You're the chief. And I said, yeah, and I'm not, the union doesn't run the department. I run the department. And he had this way of just asking really simple questions. And he told me he told me that, that he did this. This was just his style. He he sat back and he, he would kind of smile and he said, Did you think about calling him first? Well, but but I'm the chief. I don't have to. I know. But would it hurt anything? No, I guess you're right. <laughs> he said, you know, think, just think about it. I'm not telling you that you're wrong or that you have to do it. But what harm is there in picking up the phone and calling your union guy and saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you think? And he said, it's gotten me, you know, it's saved me some heartache over the years. 
So that is part of that regular day. I may pick up the phone and say, hey, Adam, you're a smart guy. I need some help with this one. What, what would you think if I did this? And almost without exception, he'll throw something out and I'll say, and I'll say, yep, didn't think about that one. Okay, cool. Let me go back. Let me go back to the drawing table. Mm-hmm. Let me get this a little better. Uh, you know, from there, I've kind of gotten away from eating out. I'll, I'll try to eat something healthy. I try to, uh, I went for a run yesterday, Rosie and I, Rosie went to work and Rosie and I went for a run. Um, I kind of catch my second wind somewhere around four or five o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Prepare for meetings. Now that sounds like it's the most boring part. (laughs) To me. Yeah, yeah, that's not, no, that's not, that's not fun. It's, uh, somebody's got to do it. It's beneficial though. That's. You know, that says a lot about our department and our professionalism, and and it's necessary. How have you filled that void between companies saying, those guys, meaning admin, aren't on the street anymore, they haven't been in a long time, they forgot what it's like, so why are they going to be micromanaging us? Why are they telling us that this would be best for us when they don't, they haven't been on the street in that long? How do you fill that void? If you do have guys that say that, I know for other departments, guys will guys will say that stuff. Yeah, we we do. We, yeah, we do. Is you're going to have it. You're mm-hmm. going to have it any place. Um, I think you can shape that culture. I think you can get it to the point where you you essentially embrace it and walk into it and say, okay, well, let you know, let's handle it this way. So, just very basically, I've tried to shape that culture. I've got, um, I've got a. It used to be a weekly. Now it's closer to a bi-weekly or a monthly email that I send out called the Chief's Grapevine. Mm-hmm. And I got it from Chief Sanford. He put out Week's End. And it's just a whole list of things. It's uh, I'll do one today. It's, hey, this is what our awards banquet's going to look like. Budget passed. This is what next year looks like. Hey, new engine's in. We're getting an outfit. We're going to try to have it service a couple weeks. Does that go out to everybody does it go out to officers does it it's go the entire department the entire fire department yeah from full-time to part-time to well you guys don't have any part-time members yeah we have part, we still have yeah. part-time yeah oh, you do yeah how many like four <laughs> <laughs> well we were at uh, we were at about you know 40 or 50 mm-hmm. part-time um, but the last time i ran our numbers yeah we're we're down to maybe 15 or 20 okay. that are actually active. Okay. That that's that's the big challenge is mm-hmm. we've got some great part-time members. Life is life happens and life's happening mm-hmm. faster than we ever mm-hmm. anticipated. So I but again you send the letter out to everybody. Yeah, I try to keep it I try to keep it simple. I start simple and then I get deeper and more analytic. So the the keep it simple is send out an email. Put a rumor section in it. Hey, Heard a rumor we're with Green Greenwood Fire Department. <laughs> rumor false. Hey, I think I know where this started. Blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, I'll just I'll just meet it head on. Uh, I I try to be a, a, just a nice guy. Um, talk to me. I try to shape that culture that says you're not going to be in trouble for speaking your mind. You might get in trouble for how you do it mm-hmm. if you jump around the chain of command to get your way. And you talk bad about a bunch of people or you spread lies, that's something completely different than weighing in on making your fire department better. Please make your fire department better, but don't you dare be destructive on the fire service that I love. So those are some of the ways I try to keep 
people engage and shape that disconnect. And, you know, this. Uh, something else I learned along the way, and this is definitely philosophical. There are some leaders that will say, hey, I can't go to everybody's wedding, so I'm not going to anybody's wedding. I believe more in the do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And if I mess it up, I'll just very humbly say, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I will do my best to not let it happen again. And it goes a long way with me. I don't look to someone to be perfect. I look for them to be real and honest with me and you know, try to do the right thing. So that's how I try to treat others. And, you know, that, I guess in real life, that's, you know, picking up the phone and saying, hey, heard, uh, heard you in the hospital. How you doing? Or, you know, going visiting a friend or giving to Finn's knee surgery fund. <laughs> so with the whole rumor mill, now I remember you guys did a study with Bargersville Fire Department, mm-hmm. just a little bit south. Yeah. About doing a merge or some type of joining uh, thing for the department. Sure. How did that turn out? Because obviously, guys, it still haven't merged yet. No, so no, no. And how did it come out? And I don't think it's a. I don't think it's completely come out because okay. you know that's and that's probably another thing that I do. I speak pretty openly about our budget and our policies and our plans and our rumors, mm-hmm. and that seems to help offset some of that disconnect between the companies and the administration. The we did we put all the information together for the union so the union could send it off to the international and let them study it operationally and then our elected officials were chartering a financial analysis and neither one of those have come back okay so who knows where that will land again i've lived through a merger and i developed a philosophy before i became fire chief and that philosophy is if it makes life better for the two communities that we serve and the firefighters and paramedics and EMTs at both departments, then I need to make it happen because that's my job is to make that quality life better and to make a safer community. Frankly, if somebody gets screwed out of the deal, then I should say, no, this isn't the right thing because I'm not in the business of taking from one person to give to another or hurting one community to benefit another mm-hmm. community. I'm in I'm in the business of building everyone up. Well, I don't I'm not for or against mergers. There are a lot of scenarios where it absolutely would lift everybody up. Firefighters and medics would get better benefits and a better quality of life and the community would be stronger us working together. So it's not good or bad. It depends on the details. Here's what I know. What I know is we should work operationally like one fire department because regardless of what shirt we have on, if we can have consistent policies and we can treat each other like brothers and sisters and we can run on the same call, if we can have the closest, most appropriate respond, the real, the, the real benefit is to the person we serve. And you don't have to have a fancy contract and a big budget and this whole legal change in order to make that happen. We can make that happen. 
what are your thoughts on uh, the word I want to use is the wrong word interdepartment exercises mm-hmm. with one department and the other department I think that's an incorrect term to use I don't know I, I guess I should read the dictionary more often <laughs> um, what are what are your thoughts on departments training together what are your departments on de- what are your thoughts on departments getting together more often because in my mind is we all do the same job sure in my mind so why not all hang out why not do events once a year with another department what why not do a big cookout hey so and so's department and so and so's department hey why don't you guys all come together and we're going to have a big cookout during the summer or hey yeah. we're doing a christmas party why don't we join together with another department since we're so close and then do something with them now what are your thoughts on that i think it would be my opinion i think it would build a great relationship especially with the ones that you work side by side with. Yeah. Um, a lot of the guys might have different opinions on wanting to do it or not. I really don't care, but I just want to know from your fire chief's perspective, have you ever had those thoughts ever had, had those types of ambitions? Oh, sure. I don't see why you, I don't see why we wouldn't, I don't see a downside to it. I long for those days. You remember the fools organization? I've, I've always heard about it. I was, you know, obviously never a part of it, but I've always heard about it. I think uh, Sean Grass yeah. was one of the guys that was starting it. Or yeah, something, Chief, yeah, Chief Grass, yeah. he started a chapter, mm-hmm. and I was one of those original members. I love it. I, I long for those good old days where mm-hmm. if somebody needed a roof, you had you had nine of your buddies out there helping out. Yeah. Um, it really worries me that we're losing that. And it, it comes to what you're saying is, What's the downside? What is the downside mm-hmm. of getting departments together and bonding as a fire department family, regardless of what uniform you wear? Um, we're going to respond together. We, ha- we we need to. We should. It's the best thing for our community. And we know even within our own firehouses, we have differences of opinion mm-hmm. and different interpretations of policy. So the benefit of getting different departments together is to work through how we do a mayday differently and work through it in training. So we're not working through it Mm -hmm. on a fire ground. So I see all upside and no downside. The reason why I asked that question is actually uh, my, my, my boss, uh, my captain, his name's, uh, I don't know if he wants me to say his last name, but his name's Chris. (laughs) He's been a huge proponent of me of, well, what do other departments do? And then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Like, he goes, maybe you should look into it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I never thought of that. Like we, I had a question about a policy that we had at our department. And then he said, well, what does so-and-so department do? And I was like, I, I never really thought of like, I never thought of that. Like, I, I'm so glad that you were able to bring that up. So that's the reason why I asked those types of questions. And thankfully those people that I have uh, work with that are in my, my career in my life, that bring up those things for me to think about and brainstorm on is, and then one day I was like, well, I'll, I'll do a little, uh, shift party. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. why, why should I only just invite my, de- like I should be able to invite everybody. Like I think that's just my, I don't know. I'm just, I'm different in that aspect. I'm weirder in that aspect. But well, try this just, one on, try this one on for size. Yeah. You just asked about the disconnect between the administration and the shift, the street. Mm-hmm. Why stop at the company? Why stop at the shift? Why not pick up the phone and call the chief and say, hey, we'd love to hang out with you. Because it's there's there's no one to blame. It's just life. Mm-hmm. I'm a man. I 
you think I don't get uncomfortable at times and think these guys, these guys hate me. And then that makes it tough to communicate. And I'll go home. You could, we could have Lori Pell on here. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, about yeah, that's a nice like story, that. <laughs> husband. But uh, <laughs> why don't you tell him the truth? Um, you know, she knows. I'll, I'll come home and say, gosh, you know what? I'm trying. I wish these guys know that I'm trying. I, you know, I didn't get invited. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think you, I think you're spot on. But I think the reason why guys probably won't invite you to things is because they probably want to act a little bit more stupid and not have their boss there seeing. That. Well, that's valid. Because <laughs> I honestly, like earlier, you said you think I'm a smart person, which obviously I'm putting on this persona, making me look like a smart person. But <laughs> I'm really stupid. Like, I, when, as soon as uh, as soon as there's no bosses around, I act like I don't do anything that puts anybody in danger. But I love to act like a moron most of the time. <laughs> And you get me and a couple of my buddies together, you think we are the three stooges the entire time. Anyways. I love it. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my thing is I, you know, like I've, there's been times where I've had little get togethers and I'm like, I don't want any lieutenants or captains here. I don't that's, want no chiefs here. Only because. That's good to know. That's I want, fair. I, I want guys to feel more welcome as their self. Now that's also my fault doing that because I don't, that means I was too lazy to get to know that person to find out. Hey, is this guy going to be cool with what we're doing? Now we're not doing anything illegal. We're not doing anything that's immoral. Anything that would cross a line on a department. But it's always just like an image thing. Like, yeah. hey, I want guys to have more more fun and relax here. It's all for new guys to feel more comfortable with the other firemen around here. So, but uh, that would be something that would be really cool to actually work on. I don't know if anybody else would be interested in that. But doing like a department and department thing yeah. where you do a get together once a year, or uh, I do like the uh, the trainings that we did have going on that's mm-hmm. not every friday or something like that but for for our crew it, it take it feels like it's forever it feels like it's once a year that we get to do yeah. it because everyone everyone has to have a chance but that's it's so much fun to do that yeah it's it's cool to train with guys from other departments that yeah. are just in our area yeah i that's something that we forget or maybe maybe we don't embrace enough is we only know what we know Mm-hmm. All right. So there's a lot of benefit to starting your career at a department and being there your whole career. But you also have to recognize the fact that, all right, this is all I know. Yes. And I, I like the fact that White River has a bunch of different cultures. So if you look back at my career, I was on White River. I was on Greenwood. Hmm. I was uh, part-time for a few years. Oh. Uh, City of Noblesville. Wow. Warren Township Fire Department. IFD, and then back to White River. I don't do things like IFD. I don't do them like Warren. I lead White River for where it is at this point in time with the people we have today, with the resources we have today, and for the needs of today's community. So it's a combination of all those. And that really gets to what you're saying, that... Really, that how cool would that be if we could spend some more time together and see how Greenwoods do does it and how Bargersville does it and how White River does it and see that we can pick the best of each department and put it together and then work operationally and that's where the optimist, the dreamer in me come mm-hmm. comes out and I think, wow, that would be the superstar team. That would be. Wow, well, they, our people would, our guys would be safer, our operations would be smoother, and I, 
man, I think we're starting to see that. Mm-hmm. We're starting to, we, we look at some fires that have been over here in, in Whiteland and some at Bartersville and White River and Greenwood mm-hmm. where we've made grabs that we wouldn't have made if you didn't have Bartersville, White River, and Greenwood all mm-hmm. there at the same time. So we're on to something. We, I think we our little too. corner of the world is, is pretty good. I think it is as well. There's been a couple of incident, a couple of fires that I've been on, of course, obviously with White River and also Bargersville, Whiteland, New Whiteland. Um, well, even that uh, Love Avenue. Oh fire, yeah, that I mean the the apartment building. It's it's cool to see other departments working together. And now, obviously, since we've done a few train a few a few trainings with uh, close departments, it makes things a little bit go a little bit more smoother. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm mixing my words up right now. It makes everything go a little bit more smoother. And also, you know, the guys so that way you have more of that emotional connection. I think that's also really important too. having that emotional connection with that person on that other department. That way you I see a, a face that I recognize and I'm like, OK, now I have that connection of, OK, so when I go to talk to them, this is how I can talk to them. This is hey, if they're if they're trapped or they're injured. They go and grab them like uh, our crew, my crew that I have. Uh, they went and they threw the ladder to one of your guys' firemen that was up on the third floor? Third floor? I can't remember the guy's name. It was, he called for the mayday. It wasn't noticed at the time. And then the the roof was coming down on him. Love Avenue? Love Avenue. Yeah. Uh, My guys were the guys that threw the ladder. Awesome. And I remember they came back and uh, (laughs) they, they, they were telling me that they did that. I'm like, well, no way. Like you did that. Well, at that time, this is, I mean, this is purely, I think this is God right here for weeks before that, the guy I work with Jacob Harshi, he goes, you want to throw ladders to the height of Mount Everest? I'm like, sounds stupid. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> let's do it. So our goal was let's throw ladders as many times as it would take to get to the height feet of Mount Everest. At that point, we, we, we would throw, we did it mathematically. We were like, not mathematically. It's like, we did that divided by the height of one of our tallest ladders that we use on our truck. Uh huh. And we're like 13 times a day. We're throwing ladders. So we'd grab the ladder out. We would each throw it 13 times and then put it back up. And at that point, I mean, we got insanely good after <laughs> week two. Yeah. We did it for, we did it for a bit. And then that incident happened. He goes up to grab that ladder and notices it was upside down, which it, it's understandable that, that that would happen in that kind of type sure. of incident. He notices that, flips that sucker around, throws it right back up. Before he even gets it fully raised, that guy's grabbing that ladder and, and Kurt's running up. That nice. Thing. And he can't, afterwards we talked about it. Like it, how insane is that? That is a once in a lifetime thing that just a few weeks before hopefully. then, hopefully, <laughs> yes, hopefully just a few weeks before that, we just started doing this stupid little exercise yeah, it was dumb. Like, like, yeah, we're going to throw ladders to the height of Mount Everest. Like, no. <laughs> but it was still something like that, that we were able to utilize that that experience. So to me, that was pretty cool. But back, back to the uh, department stuff, getting along together, we would we would meet with uh, White River and Bargersville for dinner or breakfast. We did it a couple times, like at flapjacks and stuff. But to me, that was the, the coolest thing: was meeting with other guys and building those relationships. Yeah, I've always found just I enjoyed those, really enjoyed those. 
well, I'll give you a glimpse into my brain and how it works is this is both a blessing and a little bit of a burden when I, when I hear stories and I, I hear stories like this all the time. And I think about, all right, what if we lived in the good old days where it's, well, that's on white reverse side of the line and we're not going to go on that or, you know, that's, you know, Greenwood. Greenwood doesn't want us to take take their runs and I'm not training with those guys because, uh, you know, I, I heard the other day that way, way back in the day, they're like, oh, those are just a bunch of EMS guys that dress up like firemen. If we had those attitudes and then have that fire, we admit, that save may not happen. Mm-hmm. Because you may not get, the initial box may not have both departments on it. And if you don't have both departments on it, you may not have those initial people. And then you may not have someone to throw ladders or to hear the radio traffic, even know which which window to throw it to. And we may be doing the line of duty funeral all over again. And as a chief... I think about that and I think, okay, that's my job. My job is to sweat the small stuff because down the road, it's going to make a difference. And it also keeps me up at night because I'm like, all right, what, you know, what if I miss it? What if I miss something? Mm -hmm. It shapes what you're talking about. And it's neat to hear you relatively new in the fire service. Think about those things because it, it could be, and it very likely was the fact that you took the initiative to perfect your craft to throw ladders, knowing someday it'll make a difference, and it immediately made a difference. It, it, yes, and I, I don't want to take all the credit for that. Jacob Harshey was the one that initiated that. That was, yeah. and and yes, it was it was an immediate because we even after we talked about a lot of the stuff, we talked probably for thirty minutes about it. Like we didn't expect anything like that to ever happen. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, that won't happen around here, right? But that return was so immediate and quick. It was like, Oh, it's serious. Yeah. It's very serious. It can go bad quickly. Yeah. Accidents happen. Yeah. So it, um, it, it brings me, it does bring me back to one of your other questions though. And you, we, cause we talked about the administration and the companies mm-hmm. and how we pull that together. But, um, there's a really good culture I mean, Greenwood and Bartersville and White River and really all of Johnson County, of, of perfecting the craft. And I really want, I want people to know, particularly the younger firefighters that I'm the administration of the departments are no less passionate about the job. We're trying to perfect our craft. So from a firefighter perspective, I would like the chief to ask my opinion. I'd like to see the chief more often. And what I've learned in my role is I want to do that, but I also want to make sure I perfect my craft. Mm -hmm. I put hours into a presentation because I know that presentation could make a difference in the budget. And that budget could make the difference in hiring six firefighters. And those six firefighters might make the difference uh, between having, let's say, having three firefighters on a brand new fancy custom rig versus having four firefighters on a demo truck that saved us some money. Mm-hmm. That's perfecting our, that's me perfecting my craft 
I mean, not only in that business realm, but also in the, the personal, the supporting the department realm and the taking care of people. I'm, I'm, I want our, I want to perfect my craft and how we serve this community. Cause I think that will pay dividends way down the road long after I'm gone. I just had a question that I was going to ask, but I can't remember. I should have wrote it down. <laughs> it wasn't popped up and I'm like, and then I started talking too much. I apologize. That's no, okay. Um, what was that about? Well, let's go back. Let's take a step back on the uh, doing the presentation for the budget stuff. Now, there's a lot that goes in politically. I think. Yeah. What if? What are some things that you've learned being fire chief, having to deal with the pol- political world? Whew. It's never been my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Um, doesn't mean that I don't understand it. It doesn't mean I can't be good at it, because mm-hmm. uh, so much of it's relational. So if I approach it with the same type of respect that I approach everything else, you know, it, it, it falls into place. I have learned some, some really important lessons, and it's taken me a lot of years to learn. Uh, I've learned that there are really good people that are elected officials and lead our community, and they're doing the best they can with the information they have, and I can make their job easier and be more beneficial to the department by helping them and giving them the information that they need and being respectful, but truthful and candid. Mm -hmm. I've also learned that there are times that we, we work hard behind the scenes and then get asked tough questions in a meeting. And often it's because they want to make sure that the question is being asked and the answer is being given in public so that the rest of the world knows. Hey, Chief, man, this is expensive. This is a big deal for our community. Why should we do this? And we may all know the answer, but we need, we need the rest of the community to know the answer. The men and women on the departments, the people that provide us with the money to run our departments, need to hear that question and they need that answer. That, that That's probably, that was a huge one. Uh, the other one Chief Sanford taught me, I was really frustrated the first six months or so because I just felt like I was getting beat up at, at board meetings. I'm like, Brian, it's just, you know, it's so basic that it's like they don't trust me. And his answer was, Jeremy, they trust you, but it's going to take time to build trust. And again, it took me right back to the companies. And, you know, walked in as a driver. My, my first day as an engineer at Warren, we got a, I walked in, sat down at the kitchen table, opened the paper, and everyone left. Wasn't even subtle. They left. We get a run at 7.15. There's three of us on the rig, and my lieutenant says, it was a PI, and my lieutenant says, Davis, go see what they need. So it's me and my lieutenant, and I'd gone out before I started and went through the rig, talked to the engineer, learned it. I was a pretty experienced engineer. My lieutenant looks at me. He said, well, I just think you should know. I don't want you here. I don't think you have any business being here. I think the truck's too big for you to drive. I've told people that you have no business doing this, and I just think you need to hear it from me. Well... Do you think he held Nice to meet back? you too. <laughs> no, he didn't hold back. 
And At least he was very honest and upfront. He was. Yeah. He was. And all I could say to him is, I yeah, I get it. Give me a chance. I'm good at what I do. I'll 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 serve you well. He came back to me about six weeks later and said, "Hey, I owe you an apology. You're doing a great job." And the the gut coming back to the gut check was that's why I was experiencing. I experienced that in the companies. I experienced it with the elected officials, and they trust us. But it's going to take some time to earn, some, time to earn some trust. They need to see that action. They need to, we need to see that probie. Hey, you passed the test, great. Now your next test is, mm-hmm. can we trust you when it really hits? And, and that that's all society. It just so happens in my world, in my, my craft, it's, all right, chief, we trust you. I need you to prove it to me. I need you to answer the question. I need, me to, I need you to show me the information. That was an eye-opener. That changed it from frustrating to okay. I got something I can work with. I can maybe I can make things a little better. Maybe I can have an impact here. So for the guys in the companies, how how can you how do you help them understand what you what hoops you have to jump through as a fire chief? Talk to the council board members, the any of the other members that you got to meet and talk with mm-hmm. commissioners. How how do you help them understand what you have to do? This is a great start. What you're doing really is a great start because there is no magic fix for that. Mm-hmm. I can't wake I can't wake up and plan a training and say this is public official 101 and you don't get fire departments and you don't grow fire departments without the public official 101 class like we do the safety officer class. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of informal communications. Um, I, I, I also think that it's some mentoring. We hit before the before the podcast. We were we were talking a little bit about generational gaps. That's the question and, I was going to ask. <laughs> well, it, you I know, had, I had a really good into that because you talked about something about well, you're so young in your career, blah blah blah. I was going to say let's speak about the generational gap between you and me, and then everybody else. That's what I was going to say. Something. Right, yeah. Sorry, sorry, so sorry. I used to think things were mutually exclusive. Either you're yeah. a fireman or you're a politician, or you're a fireman or you're chief. Oh no 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 no, not at all. It can be both. I can be a chief and still at heart love to ride the truck, not have the time to do it because mm-hmm. I'm perfecting my craft. I can show up at a funeral or a tough call and my heart be breaking, but not be emotional until after the fact. Right? Those emotions though, can exist at the same time. So I think working with that younger generation to do some mentoring to say, you don't have to like every aspect of your job. You can love pulling hose and not like doing PR talks and you can hate the politics side of it. But, but let's train some people up to be good at it and understand it really founded in just being respectful to everyone and understanding that it has to happen in order to grow the fire department, which is the mission. And as the mission's clear, the options are fewer, the decisions are easier. I'm going to treat everybody with as much respect as I possibly can as a human being because my mission is to serve people, and I don't accomplish that mission if I'm not effective with all levels. How do you, how do you as a chief realize that? Whew. 
again, I can't take credit for it. I, I think I, I know I've had great mentors over the years that have given me this little nuggets of wisdom. I've got mentors right now. You had Steve Dillman on here. Mm-hmm. You had Sean Grass. I think the world of Sean Grass. He is legit. He will, he will say it like it is, yes. and he's right. I may have to be a little softer around the edges when I talk about <laughs> it in public. And it's not to be politically correct. It's to be, you know, respectful and beneficial to the department. Um, you know, those guys are mentors. Brian Sanford, Judd Green, you know, he's a police officer. And he's on our board. I, I really look up to that guy. Um, we've got some good mentors. I, I think that's how you do it. It's just again, there's no. If there was if there was a class, everybody would take it. It is that journey of hitting every rank in the fire department, riding the ambulance, school hard knocks, having some good mentors, screwing up. You know, I'll mess that one up. You got my ass chewed for it. I won't do that again. And and then you land at a point 32 years later. You're like, oh, okay, man, I'm kind of understanding this. <laughs> do you think, guys, for some for some motivation for the black helmets, for the red helmets, can they, in your eyes, actually make a difference in their department? Just one guy. Because if somebody has a thought or a type of motivation that is driving them for something to better themselves or their department or something just to bring up to the chief, can that actually make a difference in your eyes? Oh, without a doubt. Don't ever underestimate the power of just sharing an idea even to the extent of I've had people share some stuff with me and it may sit back there it may sit in the back of my mind for months if not years and then someday it clicks and I wake up I'm like oh yeah oh yeah had a call oh, we, we had a we had a run Okay, I, this is a thought that spanned 14 years. I came back to White River. We were on the heels of having two guys get burnt, making a grab and a fire. And the lessons learned from that one was they, they ended up being okay, but they were burnt and they got transported. And the feedback was, hey, chief, this happened. We really wish somebody would have called our spouses. Fast forward 14 years. We have a run. We have somebody that, you know, needs a little hydration, needs to be put on the monitor. First thing I thought about was, oh, yeah, those guys told me that they really wish the chief would have called their wife. That wasn't an original Jeremy thought. That was brothers and sisters making a change. And it wasn't critical. It was just, hey, this is what we need. We, If something happens to me, we please call my wife. That that soaked in so those the chief officers the administrators the new officers listen um i had one of my staff members say hey why did you ask this guy for advice i thought i was your guy I said you are my guy i've made tons of mistakes not listening and just doing things my way i've never been hurt by sitting down for a few minutes, looking another man or woman in the eyes and saying, hey, tell me what's on your mind. 
Help me out with this. Almost always it works out. But if it doesn't, it's never hurt me taking the time just, you know, just to listen. And it makes a huge difference. So to to the those new officers, any level, don't underestimate how important that is. Even if it's just because we all want to be heard. We all do. I want elected officials to hear me. Probationary firefighters want their lieutenant to sit down and talk to them and hear what their concerns are and their fears and their hopes and their dreams. And to those firefighters out there, you signed up to make a difference. Do it. Do it. Push the envelope because you're going to make a difference. So the generational gap. Yeah. Let's go ahead and discuss that. We discussed it a little bit earlier on in the episode. But let's dive in, dive in a little bit more deeper. We've been going now for about an hour and 30 minutes. So oh, we wow. have plenty of time to, to dive more into it. So you've obviously been in the fire service a lot longer than I have. So 32 years is what you've got. What is something that I know I've spoken with Steve Dillon about this, and I've spoken off camera with, you know, of course, Sean with it. And uh, what is something that you've noticed when you first started about the attitude in the fire service that has completely changed to today? The one that worries me the most is we've gotten more focused on our personal rights and comforts and less focused on that just good old fashioned brotherhood. And, and that, that worries me. Why does that worry you? Because the fire service was founded on sacrifice and brotherhood and without it, it becomes another job. Mm-hmm. If, if you, you know, if, if it's all about my pay and my benefits, what are you going to do for me? Am I going to be heard? and you forget about the fact that, well, yeah, you might have to go outside the policy to throw a ladder and pull a kid out of a second-story window. If we lose that, we're going to lose the essence of the fire service, and we won't make some of those what I call gutsy calls that are game-changers in a person's life. And we're going to lose what makes living in a firehouse special, which is that camaraderie. Now, we don't have to. We haven't lost it yet. Um, and it may sound contradictory <laughs> coming from a fire chief that says, well, we got to follow the policy. Um, again, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think we can write policies and we can write guidelines and say, yeah, the SOG says you should do this. But we are literally being paid to deal with the most chaotic, unpredictable situations so we need to write SOGs that allow for that. You should lay from a fire hydrant if you see fire or smoke showing. That should be a standard operating guideline. And then if it's changed, then your chief should say, hey, can you articulate for me why you varied from the guideline? Oh, yeah, chief. We turned the corner. We saw the smoke. We knew it was a working fire. We saw there was a plug right here. We heard that engine two was three blocks away, and then we had a reported entrapment. Neighbors saying the child's second floor. We figured that we were within the guidelines to make a discretionary call to pass that hydrant, say, engine two, catch a plug for me. We're going to do vent inner search, throw a ladder, 
save that kid 60 seconds. The grab that the guys made, uh, Mount Pleasant South Drive, from the time ladder company arrived to the time they marked pulling the victim out was three minutes. Really? Yeah. I don't think that guy would have survived at the four-minute mark. He is doing pretty well so far, but he immediately got intubated at Eskenazi. Um, He had some pretty serious smoke inhalation. So you don't make that discretionary decision under the guise of, well, I was just following the rules. And you may not make that grab. And that's not melodramatic. That's life. That's real Mm -hmm. life. There's been some discussions I've had. Now, this this comes down to an operational decision and a personal decision. If you're in that seat, the officer's seat, or the ride-out position, of do you make the do you make the conditions better, or do you go in for the grab? I've I've had that discussion with multiple people. I've heard different answers on it. Uh, we don't have to discuss it right now. Sure. Uh, but with that, as a fire chief, for you. It seems like it comes down to more of trusting that individual that is in that seat to make that call. Do you do you agree with that? Or is it something like, hey, I have more trust in the battalion to make that call of who's in the seat, or I have complete trust in every position that that person could hold? Uh, understanding this is my opinion, mm-hmm. and it's founded in my experiences. I want to drive that decision down to as low a level as I can. So I'm going to try to drive it down to the company officer Mm -hmm. level Um, sure there are a lot of things i can make decisions on and i can make opinions on but i'm not the only right answer i think that we're going to be more effective as a fire department for the people we serve if we empower the company officer lieutenants main you know they're Mm -hmm. they're in charge they they need to make a decision you don't want to drive it down to the private because we've got that chain of command but we empower that lieutenant to make a decision and support him or her in that decision within solid training and solid guidelines. And that is because that fire environment is so dynamic, there's no way I can teach you every step of the way what decision to make because your smoke conditions are dynamic, your fire conditions are dynamic, your building construction, victim location, origin of the fire, companies responding, time of day, weather, those are so dynamic that if your fire chief is making those decisions, you're, you're, not, you're not bringing up the next generation, you're not teaching them, but you're also not giving them the ability to make good discretionary decisions based on what that human being needs at the moment. That human being may need a ladder. <laughs> that human being may be in a nursing home and we may be able to shut the door shelter in place, pull a line, make conditions mm-hmm. better, and all your other problems go away. Your company officers need to make that decision. And as it gets more complex and bigger, the company officer should know the limitations and say, Chief, you need to take command, I need you to make this I need you to make this call for me. That's that's my belief in it. So generationally, with the newer guys coming in and the fear of losing the camaraderie and the brotherhood, what are some ways that you have tried to help save that? Or some ideas that you have? We're working on a mentoring program at Wire River. 
uh, our officer development is uh, next month. We're going to pull everybody off duty, and uh, we're, we're bringing one of our board members, Judd Green, is going to come in and talk to us about mentoring. He's got a lot more expensive experience than I do. And well, we're not talking about mentoring on a piece of paper. We're talking about this. So that that is a, a practical way that we're trying to do it. Again, I think it starts with having the conversation. Our whole society is getting off the rails, arguing over who's right and who's wrong. I, I just don't like it. I don't, I don't believe in it. We all have great ideas, and we all make mistakes. So I would like to, to pair up some of these younger firefighters and with some of the older generation and learn what you guys have. You guys have you know, education and technology and information that I didn't have access to when I started. But I also want the opportunity to step up and say, we're going to do it this way because X, Y, Z. Because not just because it's always been done this way, but because we're cut from a different cloth. And we take companies out of service to go to a funeral because that's who we are. We're a family. We're not a policy manual. And I, I want to learn from the younger generation. I want, I want the, I want to teach the younger generation as well. Some of those deep traditions that make us who we are. I don't see why we can't keep the best of both worlds. What has been your most proud moment as fire chief? Whew. Man, that is a tough question. You can name a few. <laughs> yeah, I can name a few. Uh, awards banquets really stress me out. Really? <laughs> they really stress me out. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, I guess I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. That's a, um, Honestly, that's something I've noticed with speaking, especially being recorded while speaking. It's Yeah, you don't want to make a mistake, but it also makes me more comfortable. And then and I and then I'll have people like I recently made a mistake in the last video I did. I'll let you I'll, I'll let you finish. This will be really quick. I misspelled core for Marine Corps. I put C O R E. Oh. And that was embarrassing. Yeah. And I had people call me out on that. But it's also like, hey man, like I think everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. It's easier it's easier to do it out in public. Yeah. I mean, I mean you don't want to, but yeah. So so awards banquets, right? Uh, yeah, so I, I get really nervous. Well, you... yeah, that's and that's where I'm going with it is no there's a lot of hard work being a fire chief, but when you put on that class A and you stand up there and you're looking at those awards and thinking, wow, I had a hand in this. You know, I, I'm some of this stuff that are the proudest moments of our men and women. I had a hand in. I laid the groundwork with the policy and bought the ambulances and got paramedics hired and um, you know got the career people on the street, put the truck company concept in place, built the fire station. It, it, those are, whew, you know, I go home and it's I'm in awe. I'm like I, that, oh, come on, I didn't do that. <laughs> but then I think, well, yeah, but I kind of did. And, 
everyone has their their hand in, in some way. Sure. One thing that I always find very interesting is trying to place yourself in the positions of, like I've heard guys say, like I'm not that important on this department, and I'm always, my response usually is like, you're not, <laughs> and then it's just a joke. <laughs> when they say something like that, my like, I, I, I've had I've had friends where. They're business owners, right? I'll take this back a little bit further. They're business owners. Let's say they're opening up a pizza shop, which a buddy of mine did a while back, and I helped him open it up. And I'm like, eh. he's like, you want a job here? I'm like, no. I don't want <laughs> to work at a pizza joint. And he goes, why? And I'm like, because it's a pizza place. And he said, when you, go out to, when you go out to dinner and you go to a pizza shop, what do you expect? I'm like, oh, really good service. I expect good food, this and this and this and that. And after a stressful week, you're rewarding your kids with pizza, right? So you don't know where these families need. Maybe they look forward to eating that pizza every Friday night. Yep. So I was like, okay. He's like, so that server plays an important role. That baker plays an important role. The guy who makes the dough in the morning plays a very important role. Yep. So then I started thinking about that in the fire service. Each person plays a, a very important role from the very brand new guy that has the first day on to the guy who's got his last day. Yep. Each person plays a very important role in the department from the fire chief all the way down to, I'm not saying this is the lowliest of positions. I'm saying this is a position. I think that's not very thought of uh, highly. Right. Uh, maintenance. Extremely important down to the janitor. Yep. If they hire, if they hired a janitor to clean the admin's building. If someone's not taking care of those trucks day by day in the maintenance position, then what's going to happen in the long run? It's right. going to affect the guys that are on the on the companies. So that's how I see every position in the fire department, in, in any position, in any anywhere. Because right. somebody looks forward to that working. I look forward to my truck running tomorrow when I go into work. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not, there's a problem yep. and somebody has failed somewhere. But that that's the reason why that chauffeur's position is important. That's the reason why that backstepper's position is important. It helps out. Uh, so with with your guys' uh, – I heard that your guys' uh, awards banquet, so you guys were able to drink alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing that a few years back. Yeah. So how's that? It's been – you know, it's been it's been fine. It's really well, it has. Yeah. There are a lot of things that I do on trust and I'll, and I'll just be very candid about it. I'll say, listen, I, I'm not down with this one, Mm -hmm. but you know what? Because I trust you, we've had that consultative decision-making. I'll give you this one. I'll I'll give you (laughs) it. And if, and if you put it in my court and I have to make a decision, I'll make the decision. Don't confuse my kindness for weakness. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was 14 years ago, <laughs> and it's worked. Um, really? Uber and share rides, nobody's gotten too crazy. The union pays for it, or they pay for their own. It's not anything the department pays for. They're not on duty. Um, if, if, you, if you abuse it, it's done. Hard stop. Mm-hmm. But so far, so good. We're doing something a little different this year. Um, it's actually tomorrow night. Oh, is it really? Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. So, a- so what I tried to do is, 
I don't have to go into this, but it's been a rough year. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a real, it's been a rough couple of years. Um, you asked me what I'm proud of. I, I, man, I just can't, it's hard to put one incident. Making that grab is incredible. How they took care of Kyle was um, incredible. How they take care of these families when that two-year-old got hit. Looking back, I'm like, I couldn't be more proud of my department. Um, but it's been a tough, a tough year and a half or so. We're going to have a party. <laughs> I'm serious. Really? We're going to have a party. What's it, what's it involve? Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah, I can All talk right. about it. Let's hear it. So years past, we get a nice venue, and we set everything up, and we all get to? our Class A's on. This year, we're going to go to German Park, and we're going to have a party. The, starting October, which tomorrow is October 1st, they allow you to do bonfires. So we've got horseshoes and cornhole and... A bonfire, our IT company is going to cook burgers for us. I said, show up comfortable. I got on my union shirt today and my comfy golf pants and wear jeans. I don't care. We asked them to bring a polo because in case you get an award, we want to get a nice picture and, and sing your praises a little bit. But this is the, this is the year to, to, to have a little fun and make it relaxed. And that started with that mission and vision. My job is I want to celebrate the people on the departments. And remember when I came from, when I had the awards banquet, it didn't feel like much of a celebration to me. It felt like a burden. <laughs> I wanted to drink a beer, put on a pair of jeans, a nice t you know, a union t-shirt, yeah. And hang out with my buddies next to a campfire. That's what we're going to do this year. That's awesome. So, do, do a lot of the guys know about that yet? Or oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So what's it's, your response been so far? We didn't. Have, we actually didn't ask for RSVPs, <laughs> so I'm a little nervous. <laughs> they may think I'm a raving lunatic, and there may be ten people there, or it, it it could be the best awards banquet ever. We'll just have to see. I know it's coming from a good place. Mm -hmm. I. Most of the people that I hang out with would much rather be around a bonfire, mm -hmm. patting each other on the back, talking about that great save, rather than sitting in a banquet hall like this and you know, worried about saying the wrong thing. So we're going to try it. We're loosening up a little bit. You'll definitely have to let me know how that goes. Yeah. I, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't read it in the paper, I'll let you know. <laughs> So with what is something that you want to tell your department? Either, I mean, things that you're proud of, things that, hey, let's work on this. Hey, let's, you guys are doing fantastic with this. Let's try to focus on something else. What is it you would love to tell your department? If everyone here is listening and they take what you say and they're like, let's do it. Like if they're listening, I don't know, five people might watch this. But, yeah. <laughs> um, what would it be? I would start by telling them that they that we have something special going on. It, it, it's it's hard for me to to explain it. It'd probably take me two hours to explain it, but we have something special going on, and the foundation of it is just putting the focus on human beings. We, you and I we talked a little bit about scripture. Whether you have a strong faith or you're not sure, or you know you're just not sure. That Bible is a, a good guidebook for life. And those principles carry over into our laws with the state of Indiana and federal laws. And it says, treat people right. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you can keep that focus and deal with people 
and create good ways of solving problems, whether that's in the firehouse or out on the scene. Sky's the limit. That that special thing in the White River Township Fire Department will grow and grow and get even better, and it will last forever because the foundation is strong. The problem is really easy to solve. The hard part, the differentiating factor for a fire department is how we work together to solve them. That's solid. That's a good place to end right there. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? No, that... I mean, that that's the heart of it. Awesome. Chief, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me for the last hour and 40-some minutes. Awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, the feeling's mutual. I, thanks for having me on. It's... It's very humbling. I, uh, you know, just try to be just another fireman doing the best I can and try not to mess it up along the way. I appreciate you, you doing this and getting, you know, getting some people squared away. <laughs> no, I just hope that people just kind of like listen to other people talk. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. That's it.